From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. Face-to-face healthcare presentations during the pandemic declined dramatically. Recent US data captured a 40% dip in emergency department visits over the course of the pandemic. Today, Dr Ray Moynihan about the decline in non-COVID visits across the world and what it might teach us about the future of healthcare. Ray, thank you for coming on The Tea Room. Oh, thanks for having me, Francie. Dr Ray Moynihan is an academic researcher at Bond University. There's been a natural experiment throughout the COVID-19 pandemic where there's been a somewhat dramatic change to healthcare access, particularly in low-income countries, but also here in Australia through different lockdowns. Ray, how did this play out, particularly in nations that were hit the hardest by the pandemic? Well, look, we've just systematically reviewed the, all of the studies on this, Francine, and, and we, we reviewed over 80 studies and there was a really consistent pattern of major falls in a lot of services across the board within healthcare. Within healthcare. Um, most of the studies were, as you say, from places that were hardest hit, uh, Italy, the US, the UK, but we had studies from, from all around the world in that systematic review, and there was a very consistent pattern. Of course, the, there's a lag between um, what happens in the real world and the, and the timing that allows researchers to analyse it and papers to get published. So our data really is only covering the first few months of the pandemic, but but very clear patterns of, of major falls across the board in a lot of healthcare utilisation. And how did you measure that fall in healthcare utilisation in that review that you undertook? Well, we looked at we looked at we reviewed all of the studies of any changes in healthcare utilisation, and and we and we were interested in the non-COVID use of healthcare, so diagnostic testing, treatments, pathology, visits, admissions, um, and and we had a we we excluded studies of, of single centres. So if it was just a study of a, a single hospital, we excluded it. So we were looking for sort of big, important studies that had looked at how things were changing. And our primary outcome measure was a very simple one, and that was just what was the change in utilisation between those months of the pandemic and the the same months in the previous year or a sort of a time trend in the previous years. So a very simple primary outcome. Our second outcome we looked at was was whether there was a change in the severity of illness of the people turning up for these um, for, for these services, or, or or as it was not turning up, was there any change in the mix of the of the severity of illness uh, of of those presenting? So. As you would know, Ray, and as most of our audience would know, there was probably a less decline in primary care presentations than there were in the tertiary setting and to tertiary services. One that got a lot of attention last year was, for example, emergency departments, how they saw you know, a rapid decline in the services that they were providing. What did your research uncover in terms of reductions to yeah. overall visits? Well, the, the biggest reduction was in visits. So we categorised, uh, we categorised, our categories were visits to health systems, admissions to, to hospitals, testing, diagnostics, 
or treatments, therapeutics. There were the four. And the biggest fall, 40% fall on average, was among visits. And a lot of those were visits to emergency departments. And so there was there's incredibly rich data out of the United States just showing dramatic drops in the numbers of people coming to uh, emergency departments. And, you know, the 40% drop overall at the beginning of the pandemic, and that, of course, will have changed as the pandemic has gone on. But in those first, uh, that first period, a 70% drop in the, in the children under 10 turning up at emergency departments. Absolutely dramatic change. Now, there's a lot of factors here, obviously. One of them being the fact that um, kids weren't getting the same amount of uh, infections, viruses that they would normally get because of lockdown and so on. But nevertheless, very, very dramatic change there. And, and, and some of those declines did persist for a very long time. I mean, the most re- recent data that I'm aware of, reliable data, is only a few months ago. So we, we don't know exactly what's happening now, but and, and so, for example, in New South Wales, we have data from New South Wales. It was published in December. And again, uh, I think they found uh, something like, um, you know, a 10 or 15% sustained drop in emergency visits, even in Australia, clearly where the pandemic uh, didn't have anywhere near the impact that it had in, in other places at that point. Um, and, and, and fascinatingly, that US data sh- showing that, the the biggest falls were for the mildest cases. Now, perhaps that's not surprising, but but what you see, for example, is uh, the biggest um, the biggest drops of all were for people with abdominal pain. And now, of course, sometimes turning up to an ED with abdominal pain is vital and is probably life saving. But many of those presentations were not necessary and are not necessary. And so people who run emergency departments uh, all over the world are are watching these figures and are wondering, are there any learnings here? Is there anything valuable that can be learnt? You know, along with all the other learnings that we're doing, is there anything valuable, valuable that can be learned about how to prevent unnecessary, inappropriate presentations at, at emergency departments that take time and resources away from those who really need it. In terms of those milder cases that weren't presenting during the pandemic, was there anything to suggest that perhaps this was because there was suddenly more online or more telehealth services available around the world at the same time where people were maybe getting some form of medical advice that was stopping them from then being triaged in the health system? Look, that's a great question. And 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 sadly, the systematic review can't answer that because we, we actually did this, conducted this systematic review a few months ago. And at that point, there was very little evidence around on the what's been the dramatic rise in telehealth. And so I think you're absolutely right. Ultimately, a lot of that drop-off in the sort of real-world visits, face-to-face visits, um, would have been compensated by rises in telehealth. And I'm sure your listeners will already be well aware of the, the massive transformation that's happened between, uh, you know, fr- fr- pre-pandemic and post-pandemic or during the pandemic in terms of the use of telehealth, telephones, email, Zooms, and so on. So, you know, they're, they're, by now there would be evidence out there uh, showing uh, this sort of compensatory rise in telehealth that that has sort of soaked up some of the the, the drop. 
um, but that wasn't unfortunately a feature of what we looked at in in, in our systematic review because the, the studies just simply weren't there at that point. There's also been a lot of focus in the media over the last year of how this overall reduction in care has been framed as missed care. Um, I'm sure because you work in the space of evidence-based medicine that you might have a different view on that. How much of the reductions have actually impacted health outcomes as far as we know? Look, that, that's the real important question here, isn't it? How, how, what, what has been the toll? And we, 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 we're, we're all very focused on the toll from the, from the virus itself, from the pandemic, but there has been a toll in terms of that miscare. I don't think there's any question that there, there has been great harm caused to those who missed out on necessary care, whether it's cancer care, whether it was uh, coronary care, uh, whether it was just the, the sort of routine care that, that, that GPs offer that is ultimately life-saving. On, on occasion. So, so there's no question that many people would have been harmed by that. But, but, but the, the corollary, the, the flip side of that uh, coin is that people have also been missing out on unneeded care. And, and as, you, as you mentioned at the Institute for Evidence-Based Healthcare at Bond, where I work, we and many others across Australia in the wiser healthcare collaboration and more globally through the preventing overdiagnosis, choosing wisely, a whole lot of initiatives around the world to really look at this problem of, of too much medicine, too much care, unnecessary care. And so those of us interested in that are also trying to work out, well, well can we ultimately discover um, what the impact is of that missed care that, that was never needed in the first place? And I think the sorts of study methods required to investigate these questions are very, very complex. And, 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 and we, we, you know, we do see, <clears throat> excuse me, we have seen modelling data suggesting very large numbers of people harmed by missing out on needed cancer care and 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 no doubt those studies will be followed up with with sort of real world um, cohort studies and so on that that start to show the impact of that harm but to date i'm not aware of studies that are actually tracking uh, the, the the corollary the the flip side are are we going to see people benefiting from missing out on care they never needed in the first place, from tests that they never needed, from, you know, think think of PSA tests and the overuse of PSA tests, testing healthy men for prostate cancer, causing so much overdiagnosis. Um, recent study recent studies showing forty percent of, of prostate cancer detected via screening by by using PSA tests on healthy men may be overdiagnosed. And so, you know, it, it may well be there's a cohort of men who missed out on those receiving those PSA tests that they never really needed and ultimately missed out on, on unnecessary intervention as well. So there, there, there is a real opportunity to study this natural experiment. But I think it's fair to say that the methods required for such studies are very complex uh, and will and uh, you know there's a lot of interest in in doing those studies. As yet, I haven't seen a lot of them come to fruition yet. You just brought up PSA testing, which was actually what I was going to ask you about. That has been one of the types of cancers that has been coined in the last at least six months as being potentially underdiagnosed, which 
is in contrary to the big evidence base now that is saying that it is one of the most overdiagnosed cancers. I, I think, uh, I think that, that look, that's right, and 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 you can have both, Francine, as as you know, and as your listeners will know, with prostate cancer, there may well be men missing out uh, on a diagnosis that could save their lives, but. But we also know there are many men uh, suffering unnecessary harm. And, and so with, with, with all the examples of overdiagnosis, whether it's prostate cancer, breast cancer, thyroid cancer, ADHD, gestational diabetes, chronic kidney disease, we know that there, are, uh, there, there, is, there is overdiagnosis. But, but similarly, there may well be underdiagnosis in some of those situations, and indeed there would be. And so we're living with, 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 with both of those complex challenges. And, and I think GPs are aware of that, you know, constantly trying to walk that line between not missing something, but similarly not over-intervening. We'll have to somehow judge that by overall mortality in, in these patient groups. But what kind of time frame are we looking at to actually know what the effect of this pandemic will be mm. on those care outcomes. Yeah, if, look, if you that, happen to know that, that it, look, that is the, that is a huge question, and I wish I did know it. And I and I and I think that many of us are wanting to do studies that will bring an answer to that question. You know, what is the actual impact on mortality and morbidity from this natural experiment in less care? Um, you, you know, you would need much uh, bigger brains than mine, with with decades of epidemiological experience, uh, to be to be designing and running such studies. But I think we're going to see them emerge, and it may take many years before they emerge. Um, but but I should say there is interest in this issue. There, there's a whole raft of sort of comment pieces, analysis pieces coming out in the medical literature from the New England Journal, the BMJ, elsewhere, and indeed and, and indeed senior figures within the health system itself talking about um, this drop off that we've seen as a an opportunity to try and learn how to wind back low value care, how to wind back unnecessary care as we move out of the pandemic and focus more on what matters most to people. Um, and indeed, the, you know, the New South Wales Agency for Clinical Innovation put out a paper on changes in, in, in healthcare use in the last year uh, in New South Wales and they made made special mention in there of this opportunity to learn how to how to wind back low value care. The example they used was tonsillectomies, and we know again that there are still unnecessary tonsillectomies done. Probably many of them in Australia, an age old problem, but still with us. And we saw a big drop off uh, at the start of the pandemic, but of course rates climbing again. Um, but there may well be quite an historic opportunity here. Uh, for, for people able to, to try and work out uh, how, how to understand this natural experiment and then move forward and use the results of it uh, to improve care for everyone. Dr Moynihan, thank you. Thanks very much, Francine.